at the shack is how I first got down. Pops got a job, moved to Fantasy Town. Checking BBSs for my wares and porn. Hello, everybody, and we are 40 going on 14. I am Mike. I'm Patrick. Joel is on mute. Joel. Oh, yeah, okay. it's me. <laughs> I'm Josh. Little known fact, I actually planned a heist of my own. Me and my crew stole all of the interesting characters and plots from Heroes Season 3. Ooh. Uh, wow. We got away clean. <laughs> I gave up on that so, series two episodes into Season 2. Nice hint, Josh. So does anybody know what we're doing this week? It is the Italian job, because we have not watched a, a heist movie yet. No. Yeah, don't ask for one of those in, like, a massage parlor. A heist movie? <laughs> no, an Italian uh, job. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. They, they hand you a plunger. Large woman with a mustache. Oh, you look totally different place than I do. <laughs> I just want to make sure people understand that <clears throat> Patrick has taught us that in Texas, apparently, when you order pizza, you get pizza as an appetizer, <laughs> as your main course, and as your dessert. And I did not know that was a thing. It's not a Texas thing. That is a thing. That's not a Texas thing. That's a me thing. Oh. I haven't had a good dessert pizza in a long time. I've never had an appetizer pizza. I don't know what it is. It's like a regular pizza, but smaller. And on it's a like a crushed. personal pan. It's got to be like like a pizza it's like, with it's like, like a mozzarella Mexican sticks. pizza from Taco Bell, but you can get different toppings on it. And things like that. Ooh, 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 here we go. On on the topic of pizza, here's a trivia for you, Patrick, to win your next pub quiz. Who was the largest importer of kale, that little green leafy stuff, right. in the United States before, I want to say it was 2011? Papa John's. Has something wrong. Has something to do with pizza. But that's why I guess Papa John's. Yeah, oh, no. Pizza Hut. No, Pizza Hut. Yeah. That is correct, because they use it to cover up the ice on their salad bars. Oh. I was thinking it. about it for, for, for garnishes. I really was, at, you know, at first, and then you said something about that. I was yeah. I was trying to think of, like, you know, uh, <laughs> like the largest steakhouses, you know, using them for, like, shrimp cocktails and stuff like that. That was my, McDonald's. that was the train of thought I was on. Okay. Cocktails? Shrimp cocktails. Elizabeth Shue. Oh, okay. Another oh, yeah. word association, sorry. Do you want to know? Oh, okay. Oh. So, let's move on. Please. Let's, uh, no, please. <laughs> Why? This, this is going so well. music, movies, and TV. All right, I so. Whole, I got a whole 15-minute rant on arugula I'm going to do later that's just great. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to slip that in somewhere yeah, on later That's what on. she said. So we're uh, kind of widening our horizons here. Yes, we're moving down to uh, 1969. Yeah, 69. None of us were born yet, but this is was. still an awesome movie. Your sister was? Yep, she was okay, so that so counts. There's our, there's our loop. There you go. She's it's pretty, pretty sturdy. Loop. Loop. <laughs> <laughs> pretty sturdy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, now one of you fuckers has to write a post explaining that joke on the on the page. Hey, geez, <laughs> not, it. <laughs> not it. Yeah, not it. Not it. I don't know, Joel. I just quote it. You. Uh, so anyway, for uh, this week in movies, I found nothing of interest. Really? Nothing happened <laughs> really. in 1969. I mean, the number one movie uh, this time in 1969 was something called the uh, the Big Bounce. Or no, wait, no, Charo. <laughs> yeah, we don't, I don't want to talk about no, Charo, so let's just move on. <laughs> no, it's not. Combine them. Charo's well, here's the thing. This is the, the <laughs> This is. I mean, here's the thing, though. This is a 1969 American Western starving, oh, starring, starving, starving, starring Elvis Presley and Ina Bain. It was a Western with uh, Ina. Ina Bain. 
It's I mean it's, it's a western with Elvis. Break Batman's back. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, what and month star, did uh, and was the father in different strokes? Conrad Bain. Oh, I know Bain. <clears throat> I will get you, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> what you talking about, Bain? Well, well like Mr. T, what the hell was that? By this week in 1969, Easy Rider would still have been in the theaters because that came out on New Year's Day 69. Yeah, but nobody wants to talk about that. <gasps> Easy Rider, whatever, boo. <gasps> <laughs> but I'm just kidding. That was a joke. I actually do like. But the next, the next movie up on there is <laughs> support, support your local sheriff. Oh, another James Garner, Joan Hackett, and Walter Brennan. Another western. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're way early for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Looks like that was October. 76. Oh, here's Pat's favorite, Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> wow, there were a lot That's of cowboy some... movies. Yeah, what the hell is it? Really it's it's the one with cowboy be... in the title. Funny, funny enough, really... not about cowboys. Nope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not at all. What the hell is this? If it's Tuesday, this must be Belgium. Oh, that's a classic. I think it's a comedy. I have no idea. It looks like it's Suzanne like in the vein of It's a mad, 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 mad world. You know, it's like one of those. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's got one of those. It's like all the B-list actors yeah. that couldn't get into mad, 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 mad world. Yep. All right. Well, yeah, that's what I got. Yeah. So, but. Still better than the Mothman prophecies. True. Hey. Joel. Mm-hmm. April 9th. Yeah. Bob Dylan's Nashville Skyline album is released. Right, what right is that? So like Kermit the Frog impersonating <laughs> Bob Dylan. No, Bob Dylan. That's where people are like, "What the heck?" Because you know he wasn't doing his Bob Dylan thing. He was like, "Your your Bob Dylan sounds like Kermit the Frog." Yeah, but Bob Dylan was singing like the big brass band. I don't know. Did you ever hear Nashville Skyline? Yeah, yeah, it's a great album. It's to- yeah, but it's totally different than the Bob Dylan that people know and uh, make fun of. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I love Bob Dylan. Blood Blood on the Tracks is, is an amazing album, but it was it was such a departure for him. I mean, until he did um oh, what was that album later on? Ah crap, the gospel one he did. Um yeah. The Wall. No. Shut your face hole. <laughs> Damn it, now I can't. All right, but here's okay. So anyway, anyway Lady Lady. Good album, yes. Here's the fun one. April 4th, 1969. CBS bans the Smothers Brothers. <laughs> Three days later, Walter Cronkite opens the evening newscast by confirming that the Smothers Brothers have been replaced by Hee Haw, effective immediately, because that's what they used Walter Cronkite for back then, mm-hmm. is announcing when Hee Haw is going to be on. But because it takes two months to assemble a typical Hee Haw segment, <laughs> CBS filled the time period with specials until Hee Haw premiered on June 15th. Gotta serve somebody, Bob Dylan. Okay. Yes, right. no. <laughs> So I know that the uh, ban had something to do with uh, the censors. I just don't remember exactly what the deal was. Well, I'm looking at it here, and uh, the brothers who found themselves in regular conflicts with CBS network censors at the start of the 68-69 season, the network ordered that the Smothers deliver their shows finished and ready to air 10 days before air date so the censors could edit them as necessary. In the season premiere, CBS deleted an entire segment of uh, Harry Belafonte singing Lord Don't Stop the Carnival against the backdrop of the riots of the 1968 Democratic National Convention. <laughs> Yikes. Along with two lines of satire from their main competitor, Bonanza. Bonanza? Uh, is that the... Bonanza. Oh, okay. Bonanza. I thought that was like the, the Italian it's the question. European version, oh, it's the yeah. Bonanza. Bonanza. They have <laughs> As the year progressed... <laughs> Yeah, battles over content included, including a David Steinberg sermon about Moses and the burning bush. Need some so, to clear that up. Yeah. Anybody out there who um, thinks that the Smothers Brothers are this family-friendly, Edgy. you know, just folk tune singing couple of guys 
They're not. I mean, I've watched a lot of their old shows that I've found online, and they were, I'm amazed they stayed on as long as they did. Yeah, they, yeah they I mean, the censors all the time. I mean, right, but it seemed that most of their content that was objectionable was probably more because it was political or controversial in nature, not so much that it was pushing the edges of good taste or profanity or such. Right, a lot of anti oh, yeah. propaganda said that, so, you know, that they did not shine kindly on the upper executives. Okay, so have you guys heard about the Who incident on the Smothers Brothers? Who? Yes. Lady Lane. Probably, yeah, you would... Uh, okay, it? the performance in 1967, the Who came on and performed, and it was another, it says, in another defining moment of the series, as a group often did during that period, the Who destroyed their instruments at the conclusion of the performance of My Generation with the usual addition of mild explosives, explosives oh, yeah. for pyrotechnic effect. The piece would end with Pete Townshend grabbing Tommy's guitar and smashing it. On the Smothers Brothers show that night, a small amount of explosive was put into a small cannon that Keith Moon kept in his bass drum. That's about right. But it, but it didn't go off during the rehearsal. Unbeknownst to Moon, the stagehand had added another explosive before the taping. <laughs> <laughs> and later, Moon had added another charge to it. <laughs> so now there's... Three explosive charges in his can in his cannon instead of one, and when he <laughs> detonated it, the explosion was so intense that a piece of cymbal shrapnel cut into his arm. He's heard moaning in pain <laughs> near the end of the piece, and Townsend, who had been in the front of Moon's drums at the time, had his hair singed by the blast. Yeah, that's awesome. In the video, he's seen putting out sparks in his hair before finishing the sketch with a visual visibly shocked Tommy Smothers. Yeah, I've, so. I've, I've seen that clip before, actually. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's in the bass drum, you know, the big old, the big old drum that's, you know, usually has your the, the band symbol on it, whatever the band, you know, Pat's yeah. logo. No, and the symbols just, are I mean, usually on a Townsend, Pat. Townsend, yeah, and Townsend is walking right by, <laughs> right in front of it. What? He, no, never it's mind. classic He's, Keith Moon, though. He was a crazy bastard. Yeah, and, and when, that thing, when that thing goes off, I mean, Townsend almost like almost falls to the ground and. He covers his head, and Keith Moon just disappears <laughs> into this hail. And Tommy and Dickie Smothers are like, what the hell? <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Honestly, there is no TV because, as good because, as that I mean, nothing right profited. They're just, they're just bashing up their instruments, and suddenly just boom! And everybody's like, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, But yeah, I, would, I wish there was something like that on TV right now. But We got, Jan- yeah, we got Janet Jackson's nipple is the, is the biggest thing we got. Miss Jackson, yeah. if you're nasty. <laughs> so, guess who else we have today? Ooh, what? We have voicemails. And when I say voicemails, I mean more than one. Yes, they are still from the same person, but uh, apparently Charlie had quite a bit to say about board games. That's two two episodes ago. All right, let's hear him. Hey, different strokes. The only kind of different strokes I know about is when I use my left hand instead of my right. <laughs> also, board games, uh, all you motherfuckers are wrong. Board games are called board games because you play them when you are bored. So you're bored and you play games. Board games. Adequate. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. I'm not entirely sure how to react to that. <laughs> he's wrong because board. Yeah, first of all, he's wrong. <laughs> yeah, he's wrong because they would have stay would spell it differently. Uh, I, I love thing. the callback to the adequate bit. Though. Yeah. Yeah. After Mike gave him all that crap about it. <laughs> all right, let's hear what else he has to say. Okay, first off, Marvin Gardens is worth way more than $50. Uh, second, Monopoly is a fucking devil. 
for the person that's winning. And other than that, it is a long, drawn-out beatdown that is no fun, and it destroys families. Monopoly equals devil. It's McDonald's of the fucking board world. Devil. How, how do you really feel, Charles? Wait, wait, wait. No, I was no, waiting for another no, I was no, waiting for another addict. I yeah. waited for it too myself first time yeah. I heard. So, but uh, you know what? First off, Charlie, you're wrong. Because if there was board, if it was board as in I'm board games, they would spell it differently. They don't. They spell it B O A R D games. So suck it. I played board games today. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Were you bored? No. There you go. Disproven. There's no such See? thing. Disproven. No such thing as so, being bored. Boredom is not a real thing. It's it's not a word. I don't believe in it. But it's a thing, yeah. I mean, it's not a thing. Don't have to only, not believe it. I mean, only people, boring people, get bored. There's no such well, thing. But that, I mean, it still exists. There's always something you can be doing. Well, yeah, always. but I'm saying it does. Well, maybe what they're doing is being bored. It's not a thing. I mean, that's a thing. It's a thing. You can it. be bored. You can't. Nope. You can't say it's not a thing because it's possible. It's yeah, not. Yeah, I, I kind of think it's a flavor of anxiety. Like ennui is a thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, yes, that's ennui. E n n u i. Isn't she the the new age? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. She does lately too. It's if Enya and Yanni had a kid, it would be Enwi. is a feeling of listlessness and dissatisfaction arising from a lack of occupation or excitement. And sometimes it can be connected to mental illness or other emotional problems. So I understand what you're saying, that like if it's just somebody... Like saying, I'm bored because they haven't taken the time to be creative to find something to do. Exactly. I get where you're coming from. Yep. But okay, I 100, I 100% agree that, I mean, boredom is your own fault. You should, blah, 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 but it still exists. No. Sure. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And I don't even necessarily agree that it's your own fault because I think that boredom can be associated with emotional instability or mental problems. <laughs> that's How the hell did this show turn into an episode of Dr. Oz? <laughs> oh, that's another thing I don't believe in. Doctor Oz. Doctor Oz. Oz. No, he exists Doctor, too. I assure any you. of those doctors on Oprah and what? All right. Any of those, yeah. any, so any those doctors. I don't believe any of them. So hey, folks, if you want to I join in on this amazing page. conversation, <laughs> Doctor Who. Now that's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, that's the only doctor that he will actually listen to. Yeah. So uh, if you want to join in on this great conversation, be sure to email us at uh, 40go14 at gmail dot com, or you can find us on Facebook, or you can give us a phone call. Just like Charlie did at a seven zero eight now rap w r a p or seven zero eight six six nine nine seven two seven. Nice. So. All right. Good night, everybody. But don't. Do yeah. No. 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 What? It's what? not the end anymore, Pat. Pat. Yeah. It's at the beginning now. <laughs> Go back to sleep. What? Nobody's what? landing. What <laughs> so, what movie did we watch this week, guys? The Italian Job. All right. Nineteen sixty nine. Sophie's Choice. You watched Sophie's Choice? Did they remake that? No. No, he was saying he asked your daughter which movie he should watch, and she chose The Italian Job. <laughs> yes. Luckily, she was on board with you guys. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she was prompted. So anyway, <laughs> The Italian Job, 1969, yeah, starring <laughs> starring Michael Caine, Noel Coward, and Benny Hill, directed by Peter Collinson. Uh, this is listed as a comic caper movie about a plan to steal a gold shipment from the streets of Turin by creating a cha- traffic jam. Uh, the director, I looked up some of the things that he's done uh, that we may know. Tomorrow Never Comes, something called The Earthling with William Holden and Ricky Schroeder. <laughs> and he's holding a koala. I don't know what that's about. That but... Yeah, but on the uh, one that we may know, he is the director who did Agatha Christie's Ten Little Indians. Ah. 
So, which is good stuff. The rest of it, I'm not entirely sure. So, uh, before we get into the per- what we thought about the movie, I'm going to give you a little trivia about this. The uh, British Motor Company, BMC, the owners of the Mini, refused to donate any cars to this film. But the boss of Fiat, the competitors, offered to donate all the cars they needed, including the Fiat 500s in place of the Minis. The director, however, decided that it was a very British film. They should be Minis. Fiat's, Fiat's boss still donated scores of cars for filming, as well as the factory grounds. And even though the authorities refused to close the roads, the Italian mafia stepped in <laughs> and shut down sections of the city of Turin for filming. So the traffic jams in the film are real. So the people that you see in the traffic jams, that's the actual reactions of people during the film. <laughs> that makes it just- better. Yeah, so it's like, oh, don't worry about it. We, we'll close it down for you. Oh, you're making a documentary about the Italian job. We know. Yes. <laughs> now eat your appetizer pizza. Okay. They, they, were, they were Chris Christie before he even knew what was going on. Yeah. That's awesome. That the, the, the mafia, though they're the bad guys in the 69 movie, they're kind of the good guys in the production of the 69 movie. <laughs> well, they probably oh, yeah. insisted that they be put in that light. They're like, no, 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 you, you're making us do something bad. <laughs> You know, make a make a we be we be bad badass. Yeah, we don't want people to know we do nice things. <laughs> so, and uh, as this is a movie uh, primarily about cars and driving, Michael Caine, the star, could not drive at the time the movie was made, and uh, is in fact never seen driving a car. You only had a learner's permit. Or? I don't know. I have to look into that. I'm guessing it may have to do something with license being taken away. Maybe. Probably DUI. Yeah, but the only time in the movie that Charlie Croker is assumed to be driving is in the cut between where he takes the Aston Martin out of the garage and the next shot you see it outside the hotel. But Michael Caine gets out of a stationary Aston Martin after a further cut, so you never actually see the uh, the main guy of this heist actually drive a car. Yeah, just I dug up uh, why uh, Michael Caine got his uh, driving test passed at the age of 50. Whoa. Wow. So he didn't drive. I was, I, I was right. He didn't have his learner's, learner's permit. He did not. <laughs> the first car something. he ever bought was a Rolls Royce, but he couldn't drive it. Oh, I thought it was going to be a Fiat or a Mini. So, and did you guys get the um, there the link I sent you about the deleted scene? No. Oh, I missed it. Uh, they filmed a scene for the part of the Mini Cooper chase sequence on an ice rink with the cars gliding past each um, each other. Uh, accompanied to uh, Strauss's Blue Danube. That's awesome. And the scene, well, it is awesome, but the scene was cut for timing reasons, but it was included on a documentary. I sent you guys a link, and it is very cool, but then the, uh, in the comments that they say, they said it was slowing down the chase scene incredibly, and it would. Yeah. Uh, other thing, parts of the stock film footage in this film were later used in MacGyver, The Thief of Budapest, made in 1985. And in the story, MacGyver and a band of gypsies use Mini Coopers to escape from Hungary. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay, before we get into what we thought of the movie, I was curious if anyone of the four of us besides me had seen this before we were supposed to watch this for the show. Yes. No. Okay, no. okay so it's t- two did and two did not. 50-50. Yeah. Math is hard. Let me check. I'm a it huge is. Michael Caine fan, and I have I, my, I loved all his older movies. I mean, they, they're honestly, they're, you know, they're kind of dated. But um, it's, he's Michael Caine. I mean, seriously, I love my, I think my favorite one of Michael Caine's movies has got to be if you discount him being in the Batman movies, uh, Death Trap. You said that last week. 
Yeah, I did. Because hmm. it's a great freaking movie. He's also in a movie called um, Secondhand Lions. I've seen that. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. I've seen that one. That's a good it's one. It's all right. So, but yeah, I'm just, I saw it just because I love heist movies and Michael Caine's an awesome actor. So, well, he was in Blame It on Rio. <laughs> God, not back <laughs> to that again. Well, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. That's Dirty Rotten Scoundrels has got to be my favorite Michael Caine movie if I had to pick one. But Yeah, mine too. Not Blame It on Rio? Not Blame It on Rio. <laughs> I'd rather watch 10. Oh. Educating Rita? Yeah. <laughs> my tutor? He's... My tutor. I mean, he. I, there's a lot of movies that didn't feature him prominently that I'm a huge fan of, like The Prestige, Children of Men. Oh, oh God, my God. Children, Children of Men was, was awful. Oh, the children. What? 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 That was such a piece of crap. That was so ham-fisted and heavy-handed. Awesome. Oh, what? it's garbage. It's, oh, it's, shut your head. It's like Happy Feet. It's like here's the message that hits you over the head and over and over again until you get it. Okay, Stupid I have to shit. jump back because on my oh. favorite movie, I now have a tie for favorite movie. Cinematography <laughs> was amazing in that movie, though. Noises off is is a great. Hey, film and a great show. Will you agree with me on that? The cinematography what? in that movie was amazing. It Since looked pretty, that. but you can put lipstick on a pig. Doesn't make it. Beautiful. I'm just saying, at least that. Hey, you some... could shove your head up an ass, but it doesn't mean you want to buy a steak. <laughs> well, Wait, it's got to be your bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Tommy Boy. Now, there's a good movie. I love it's that a... movie. That's one of my favorites. It really it's not is. Like a cinematic, like film masterpiece. No, but like if I if I had to, like it, it would probably be in my top like if I had to I'd say top forty movies of all time. Maybe We've maybe derailed. fifty. But <laughs> Comedy wise, yeah, it's a classic. But anyway, back to anyway, the, yeah. This movie the Italian which I've never job. seen before. No, okay, never seen it let's either. go over what you like. Wait, what's the story? People don't know the story. I already said the story. We yeah, said we it's a comic, ca- a comic caper movie about a plan to steal a gold shipment from the streets of Turin by creating okay. a trap. So it's part. very British. It's a heist movie. It's a little bit zany in the uh, vein of like Mad, 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 Mad World, but not quite that wacky. Just a hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I knew I was in trouble in this movie when the, the third build actor was Benny Hill. I was like, oh, boy. Well, and that was part of, I mean, in a way, if you're talking 1960s Great Britain, getting Michael Caine, Noel Coward, and Benny Hill all together, they really are the three biggest British stars of the time. Right. Yeah. But I just knew at that point how dated it was going to be. Sure. Well, did because, just because that Benny Hill, as much as as much as everybody can appreciate him, he doesn't really translate well to 2004. After like 1987, yeah. <laughs> um, well, that and the fact that they were communicating back and forth with like 32 millimeter film that they shot to tell about the job that they're planning yeah, that, that nobody even noticed that they had to set up. <laughs> yeah, these people are walking <laughs> by like at one point apparently. You know, when he's walking <laughs> up the stairs, I'm like, this 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 camera's on a crane. What are they doing? How does nobody notice them? <laughs> and and there's only one guy that happens to just look at him. <laughs> yeah, the mafia guy's like, eh, camera crew. <laughs> and, and but that no one else notices But again, it's it's suspension of disbelief. Um, but uh, you know, granted for being 1969, I don't. I think a lot of people take for granted that just because a movie is old doesn't mean it's boring or that it's not well written or that it's not well done. Because despite some of the things that are silly about it and the things that are dated, it was still a very fun, well done, entertaining movie from start to finish. Uh, see, I I actually disagree. I I do have plenty of movies from the sixties that I enjoy quite a bit. This is not one of them. I so you can back up what I'm saying though, for as an overall thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because it's a dated movie does not necessarily mean it's bad. No, yeah. not at all. So what did you like about it, Pat? 
Well, I mean, I just, in general, I just like heist movies. I like con movies. I like any kind of movies, you know, where you're seeing people skirt the law type of stuff. You know, it's just kind of adrenaline, get your adrenaline pumping and everything. So, I I mean, I liked it. Uh, you know, the, the chase scene was kind of cool and everything. Um, I don't know. I just, well, let me, uh, first off, I, I knew I was in trouble when 25 minutes into the movie, I paused it just to take a nap because I was like, oh, this is boring. me. What? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, because I'm just like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, would you just do something already? Because, I mean, we've been watching oh. for minutes, and they, they haven't even, like, set up a, set up the heist yet at all. They haven't even talked about it. Like, all he's done is go to the prison and talk to a guy, and he says no. I'm like, all right, well, good. I'll, <laughs> like, I don't need 20 minutes of him trying to get somebody to join in on his heist with him. Can we, like, you know, fast forward into, like, yeah, we're all in. Let's do it. I think that What was, about you, Joel? No. Go ahead. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Let's ask, let us finish. I just want to respond to what Pat said. It's kind of necessary to set up Noel Coward's character just like how he, even though he's in prison, he's more important than just about anybody aside from the royal family. And Charlie Croker's plan is so good that eventually he gets on board because the plan is very good and it is a lot of money. But still, an example must be made. You don't just break into his toilet. Some things are sacred to a British gentleman. So <laughs> I wish I had a purple pooping jacket. <laughs> uh, well, so he Bridgers, needs to get his yeah. ass kicked first. And then, yeah. he, then he can give the go-ahead for the job. To which there is a rule there that I did not know existed. You cannot beat up a guy with no trousers. <laughs> which I'm going to take full advantage of. <laughs> Love that. Here, here yeah, we are back to that. bike with no pants on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never ride a bike with no seat. But I, I, so, I got to uh, say, I got to say, my biggest problem with this entire movie, honestly, was the ending. And it didn't even really bother me that it ended on a literal cliffhanger. What bothered me was why they ended up there. I'm like, at some point, doesn't somebody say to this driver, stop being an asshole? You know, I mean, I know we're like all celebrating and trying to have fun, but risking our lives by going, possibly going over the canyon is not a way to celebrate when we technically have not even gotten away yet. We're still in our getaway. It just really annoyed me. I was. I have I was like, a lot more to say about the ending because the ending's famous, but I almost think we should revisit that subject. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. All right. So, Joel, what did you like? Oh, man. What's not to like? I mean, I think that the the, the build-up to the ending was necessary. I think with any good movie with um, a climax like that, you have to have a slow boil. And I think a lot of times the slow boil creates a better feeling at the end. It may not have some of the rewatchability in some cases, but if you have that slow build to me, it's like, you know, it's like foreplay. If you want to get to the good stuff, you got to have the build up to it. So when the good stuff happens, it's all that much better. So for me, it was, it was necessary and, and good. Well, I, and then the car chase itself was phenomenal. I mean, uh, yeah, I see. I wouldn't have had a much, much of a problem with the build up if I, if, if there had been more of a bang. I just didn't feel like it, you know, I don't know. See, I thought that the ending, well, like I said, we'll come back to the ending, but I, th- I thought it was justified and it was, in my mind, almost a morality tale. Um, <clears throat> and with everything else that came up to it, it was a nice way to kind of, it's like ending a song on a minor chord. If you end a song on a minor chord, you're more likely to have somebody want to go back and listen again because most songs end on a major chord. So you're like, oh, it's done. The song is finished, but it's a minor chord. It's like, eh, it's going to change again. We got to go back and listen again. So the perfect pop song is, you know, two minutes, 30 seconds and ends on a minor chord. It's the same thing with the movie. Example. You end on a, on a down note, then. Do you have an example of that? Seriously, seriously, like of a song that ends on a minor chord. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but yeah, or, that's interesting. Or, I never heard that before. Any good album no. is forty-five minutes long. It's not too long that you get bored, and it's not too short that you think it's you know over too quickly. I don't know right, about that because Amy Grant had a couple, out, you know, a couple albums that were an hour long. So right. and they were forty-five perfect. minutes. Anyway, go ahead. Somebody well, yeah, else Amy talk. Grant, I did say Amy Grant, so yeah, perfect is implied. Oh God. 
She's attractive. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> um, I really would like break up a marriage. Shut up! Eat your, <laughs> eat your dessert pizza. <laughs> All right. I have always been a fan of this movie, and I think it is because... Oh, wow, Joel. I'm sorry, Josh. I just looked it up. I think uh, Pearl Jam's 10 is 53 minutes and 20 seconds long, so you're wrong. I said about 45 minutes. No, you're that's wrong. That's pretty close. Minutes, it's under, wrong. That's under an hour. That's under an hour. It could have shaved a little time. How long is it. how long is Sergeant Pepper? <clears throat> um, I'll let Mike look it up here. I'm yeah, it depends trying. on what time of the day it is. Formulate my thoughts. Lay, 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 lay. You got to play by And then as soon later. as Josh starts again, I'm going to interrupt him this time. You're beautiful. It, <laughs> Sergeant Pepper is only 39 minutes and 42 seconds. Right. So that wasn't interesting enough. See? So it's right in that wheelhouse, though, right? Over, right around over 45 minutes. Yeah. All right. What, what, All right, what, Josh, go ahead. Like 20 minutes on either side is the wheelhouse? <laughs> What's the over-under on it, Pat? Come on, <laughs> smartass. 45 minutes, apparently. That's what you said. You don't understand the over-under thing yet. Hey, 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 Pat. Hey, Pat. Eat my dick. I wonder what David Lynch and Richard Gere think of this whole <laughs> They would never work together. Oh, David Lynch has taste. Just like old times, I'm just getting Joel annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> eat a dick, Pat. Eat right, so, Josh, what were you saying? It's like, there's uh, a ceremonial penis. 87th time he said, eat a dick to me, and I like Eat that. an appetizer penis, Pat. <laughs> and then a dessert penis after that. I'd like to talk about the Italian job now. What? <laughs> <laughs> You've got these three titans of British cinema and TV, and each of them gets to, like, exemplify through a character what they're best known for. Michael Caine's got his own personal charisma. Like, if you look at what his character, Charlie, brings to the table, he's not even really a great leader. He didn't come up with the plan. Uh, He's frequently skipping over details, but he's clever and he's charismatic. That's kind of right in what Michael Caine has always done. Then you've got the aristocratic Noel Coward, the prisoner, the money, up at the top. And I love how they even took Benny Hill's professor character and made him wacky with a bit of low comedy, with his obsession with large women and grabbing them and such. And did you, okay, when they were all having the meeting, did Benny Hill eat that cigar? Yes, I think yes he did. He, I think that was actually a sausage, and the guy next to him thought it was a cigar and went to light it for him. Okay, because I was like, I had to rewind that, and I'm looking at it going, no, it I mean, he's the kind of guy that he would have eaten a cigar. I just thought to he keep did. I thought he whole. ate a cigar. I, I really did. See, I have always assumed it was it was a sausage. Like, see, it was a sausage. I thought it was. I thought it was some sort of food initially, but then look at the the face of the stereotypical Irish uh, explosive expert. Right, and his the look on his face is kind of like that guy just ate a cigar. Look, yeah, that's exactly that kind of confirmed it for me. I'm like, okay, that that was a cigar. He just ate. Apparently, it wasn't a sausage because he would have had a different look on his face. The look on his face was like he ate it. <laughs> Maybe I'll just take my lighter away. <laughs> so we're so saying like, he did not snap into a slim Jim. Is, is that the? Uh, <laughs> is that the <laughs> I'm going with that. Okay, no. so maybe he did eat a cigar there. Uh, I think and, he, and he likes large women. The plan itself was pretty sweet. And, of course, everybody likes the uh, the car chase. The car chase with the minis going downstairs and whatnot. And I actually remember the first time I saw the ending, I didn't care for it. And then, like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm coming around on the ending, right? Uh, like, I saw it coming. Now, I appreciate its place in film history. And the debate that, like, what really happened at the end has been a discussion for all of these years. Uh, and I 
think that the ending, which we'll talk more about later, uh, really, it couldn't have ended any other way and been as satisfying and been the topic of conversation for nearly a half century later. So, how about you, Mike? I, you know what, this is one of my, one of my favorite movies that uh, he has done, that uh, Michael Caine has done. And it, <clears throat> one, one of the things that I like about it is that everybody stays to their stereotype. I mean, it is, when I say stereotypical, it is, everybody has a, maybe archetype is a better way to put it. Okay. Everybody stays to the archetype. It, Michael Caine stays to his, I'm the classy uh, boss of this, I am in charge. Then you have Camp Tone, or Camp Freddy, which I never knew that Camp was a code for logo, for gay. Oh, like, interesting. I didn't know that either. Yeah, that makes sense, though. Either. That was, they called him Camp Freddy, and apparently Camp was meant gay in 1969, and only in 1969, because I've never heard it before uh, in my life. It's just like Gay Tony from Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. So, but every, Michael Caine is, plays the, I am classy as shit. If you, I can't convince you to what you to do what I want you to do, I'm going to charm the shit out of you so you do it. Noel Coward is the, I'm in jail, but I run this joint, boss. The, the mob hits were sure as hell more formal back then. <laughs> and, and I don't know where they all those guys came from every single time. Because, like, every time you turn your head on the side of this mountain, there was, what, at least two, three dozen mafia dudes standing on different cliffs on the wall. And then when you look away and turn back again, they're gone. They were actually mountain goats in suits. <laughs> mountain goats are in the mafia? <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> so, Italian, but, Italian um, goats, yes. Oh. No, I, I like it as a, I'll say, period piece? Sure. I mean, it's 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 super dated. I mean, first off, we thought floppy disks were big. That reel-to-reel computer program that they had to slip on there, and I don't really understand why they needed a computer expert when all they were doing was changing out the tape. But I I like the movie for the fact that it stays in 1969. It's not timeless. It's super dated. But it's still fun. It's still a lot of fun to watch. It's still craziness going on. And when you find out all the background to it, like they never got permission to close off these roads and that sort of thing, then you realize how much fun it actually is. And there's a lot of cool stuff going on in this movie. That I mean, the the, the car chase, which I thought going through all those little uh, the little malls and that sort of thing, and the whole scenario with the water on the on the ground with the cop falling down, and the, you've got the little Italian guy who's been scrubbing the floor all day, and suddenly these three cars come tearing through. And then the bike wipes well, out because he's freshly wa- washed and waxed the floor. Yeah, and then he just stands up ugh, and walks away. And I'm sure there's a lot of little stuff that I, I don't say don't notice, but don't know. I don't, things know that I don't know are funny. Yeah, I mean, you've got this, aside from... Uh, the main beats pretty much going as planned. There are things that go wrong on both sides. Like the plan doesn't go uh, totally according to the way they want it to. And the police response certainly gets fouled up. There were a couple of opportunities for the police to like catch them and shut them down. But one thing or another happens. Yeah, buddy. So I'm a big fan of that. Not as big a fan of some of the music, especially the music at the end. Oh, come on. It's part of the charm. It is part of the charm. But I I have to say that if we're just comparing the two, it is one of the more dated bits. Okay. Oh, the the music at the very end? Yeah. In in the final, uh, it's Uh, got a particular name for the piece. And it it makes sense because the the name of the song is something like, we got to get going. Get a bloom and move on. Yeah, get a bloom and move on. 
So. But it does make the entire end sound <laughs> like a musical. Excuse me. Wow. Yeah, That's it true. does. And that and um, tossing another trivia, you actually did hear Michael Michael Caine's uh, voice in there. Really? Yeah, he was part of the singers. <laughs> yeah, see, doesn't it make? I mean, that's one of those things. Like initially, when you first time you watch a movie, you're like God, that song is terrible. I mean, and there's a lot of things in that song that I wasn't entirely, I was confused about. Like, what does it mean when you have no bib around your Gregory Peck? <laughs> it means you don't have a condom on, I guess. I'm guessing that what that that's what that was. But Peck, it was one of those Pecker. things where I look over at Suzanne. I'm like, what does that mean? Bib. She's like, I want nothing to do with this, and she left. Wow. But um, oh, did you have well, to watch this one alone? None of the family would sit down with you. No, actually, actually, I, they got halfway through it. Fair that's enough. the best um, part. Yeah. Uh, something other, another trivia in there. Yellow, the character Yellow, because they all had nicknames. Did you notice that, dude? Well, yeah, they had. That was one of actually kind of the weaknesses is that the ensemble for the heist was almost too big. So there, there were a lot of guys that kind of blended together. Well, I'm looking at uh, Yellow specifically because if you did recognize him, you notice he was the guy who played Jesus Christ in the. TV miniseries uh, Jesus of Nazareth in 1978. Oh wow! Which, if you look at the look at the poster for that, you completely recognize the dude. So, but was he like one of the uh, mini drivers, or was he one of the? Because even his number two guy barely had a characterization. Yeah, I mean Camp Tony really. I mean, outside of wearing a pink suit, Camp Tony uh, wasn't wasn't his number two. He specifically mentioned one guy, and his entire characterization was, he's my number two. And he was kind of sour and whatnot. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. And that is huh. one of the big differences between the two films, is this is a much bigger cast with comparatively fewer characters yeah. that got fully developed. Well, yeah, when they're in the yes. boardroom and he's introducing everybody, I mean, literally, there's like an entire boardroom of people. Of, of people there. And, yeah. And Benny Hill eating cigars. Exactly. And something else I noticed in the end of the movie, Waldo is freaking everywhere. Are we Waldo? waiting on uh, Waldo. Waldo. Waldo? Yeah. I don't know. I saw guys in red and white striped shirts and hats everywhere. So are we ready to talk about the ending? Yes, because ah, Patrick's back from pooping his dessert pizza. <laughs> <laughs> or his appetizer <laughs> yes, pizza, yes. whatever it is. All right, no, well, that, was, that, was, that was probably more the Carl's Jr. shake than anything. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is why I have to watch the chat and Skype more often. I don't watch that as often as I should. <laughs> I just I'm sorry about like, that. Did you guys pause? No. Or, or, no, okay. we, we, no, we kept going. We kept going. We just we're, figured... we're ready to talk about the ending, though. All right. Yeah. yeah. One of the reasons Wait. the movie ended the way it did is originally it had four different endings, and the director was not satisfied with any of them. Uh, they decided that instead of going with any of the four proposed endings, they're going to shoot the literal cliffhanger where the everyone's gotten away. They've uh, destroyed the minis to confound any pursuers. Uh, they've got the gold. They're celebrating and drinking on the bus. And the celebration gets a little bit raucous, but at one point, uh, the driver does not account for the extra weight of the gold and takes a turn weird. It goes into a skid, and in the hills outside the mountains of Switzerland, they end up literally hanging off a cliff, balancing with the gold pushing them over one side and all of the criminals on the other. Nobody can get out of the bus without losing everything they worked the rest of the film for. And as Michael Caine is trying to get to the gold to push it back over the pivot point, they stop. The camera zooms out and he says, hang on, lads. I've got an incredible idea. 
and then it cuts to the credits. Which I think is a lot better than what we watched. Yeah, people have been debating for many, many years uh, what the actual ending was supposed to be. And Michael Caine revealed that the original, one of the original endings, the one that they were going for, was that uh, the gold was going to have to be lost so that the crew could be saved. The crew would get out, but the mafia would make off with the gold, and there would be a sequel where they got the gold back from the mafia. <clears throat> which was called the Brazilian job. Which was no, which is basically the Italian job we watched the remake of. But anyway, that'll talk about that later. Yeah, basically, <clears throat> yeah. They, no, really, it was called the Brazilian yeah, job. They, they were supposed to originally make the Brazilian job. Oh, but I thought you were because, making a joke about waxing. No, not at all. They uh, this movie bombed in the U.S. and because it bombed so hard in the U.S. <laughs> back in '69, the sequel was shel- uh, shelved. <laughs> yep. So it kind of has uh, the unresolved cliffhanger ending, which. Uh, has made the movie famous. Probably without that cliffhanger ending, we never would have had the remake. See, which makes me, me wonder, there's only a couple ways out of that scenario. Either the, there's some authority comes along and they tow the bus off the edge of the cliff. You know, they wait long enough to be rescued and then they're caught anyway. Theori- theoretically, they continue to risk trying to get it back over the pivot point by hook or crook, whatever they need to do to do it. And either are successful or that goes off the edge or, you know, one way or the other, it just proves that crime does not pay. You know, a few years sort ago, of. they uh, put together a contest for people to write uh, an ending for what happened after the Italian job. And uh, the winning entry actually came up with a really interesting solution that the idea he could have had would have been to break certain windows in the bus, pulling the broken mm-hmm. glass into the bus to help balance it enough so that one guy could get out and flatten the tires, which would create enough of a force at the back that they could, a bar at a time, actually get close enough to the gold to pull it over. Hmm. I was thinking if they could fashion some sort of rope and wrestle it from the other side and pull it over, was my thought. But they'd have to fashion a rope out of something I'd probably close. Well, physics just dictate, dictates that all they need to do is just move the fulcrum a little bit, <laughs> so if they would just step outside... Like, climb, like break the windows in the front of the bus and climb out onto the hood, that would probably be enough weight to swing it up. And then they, you know, maybe they could afford to send well, one guy in to get the gold at that point when they're all the way out there, hopefully. Well, I think I think physics was out the window to begin with, and the fact that they put that much gold in the back of three minis. Oh, well, that's true. They at Which least addressed they, that in the remake. But, yeah, yeah, I was going to say they addressed that in the remake. But. Well, they addressed that in the original, too, that there was some concern about whether the minis would actually carry the gold. And, and they had a brief a brief scene where they were in the in the garage and the guy was talking about the uh, the transaction or whatever and that was it. Right, and it was kind of foreshadowing for the eventual ending because they really didn't pay enough attention to the weight of the gold. Huh. Not at all. So, Which, if they had, so, maybe the bus would have successfully made it through Switzerland. I purposely, I, I, I uh, not purposely. I don't know why I said that, but I just I don't care for the ending myself. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I agree that, you know, maybe it helped, you know, make the movie more popular because it didn't have an ending. But it just felt kind of, I don't know, uh, I, for lack of a better word, cheap. I mean, it just seemed like uh, one of those, you know, really bad ways to just end the movie. It, it felt like a serial cartoon, uh, you know, with that ending. I'm like, well, okay, so, you know, do we come back for the next movie to find out what happened? Kind of, you know, it's like, because in serial cartoons, you know, they used to play back, you know, in the like the 40s and 50s and whatever, you know, they, they would just play in between movies all the time. And 
it would always be like, you know, like somebody, you know, on a chase and he goes over the cliff and he's hanging there, you know, that's where the original term cliffhanger comes from. And then it would end, mm-hmm. but then you just wait till the end of the movie, and then you see the next serial, and it'd be, you know, you'd see how he'd get rescued and stuff. So it's like immediate gratification. Whereas in this movie, they didn't even bother making a sequel. They're like, you know what happened? Kind of, you know, kind of annoyed me. There's nothing wrong with having absolute endings, and some and, and some people mm-hmm. just tend to think that you know a movie needs to be open ended. And I was like, well, sometimes, but I don't think a heist movie is one of those things because you need a definite conclusion to a heist movie because you're supposed to either get away or you're supposed to get caught. You're not supposed to. They hijack the ending, Pat. Ooh. Oh, oh! It's like an yeah. now it's like Inception. <laughs> well, I, they they heisted the ending. Oh no! <laughs> I find it difficult to disagree with what you're saying, Pat. But I do kind of wonder if we'd even be talking about the film if it'd be memorable if it had had a nice right. And I, I do agree that you know, maybe it did help a lot with the marketing. But I mean, I just as, as a I don't like it as a cinema uh, tool. I guess for lack of a better word. Yeah, you are a tool. I mean, it just I have, I've been called the, that. The whole sh- Mini Cooper chase is enough, I think, to give it a place in the annals of, of heist movies. But the ending just solidified it as kind of a an enigma, kind of a its own separate chapter. Or yeah, it, it definitely gets its own. Yeah, it gets its own section in the heist movies because of it. And and for that, I I appreciated it because I was like, you know, because after seeing the original, which I've seen before. Uh, I was never, I was not impressed with it. So I was like, oh boy, I'm going to have to sit through this again, only it's going to be in 1969 and whatever is going to be different. So maybe I'm not going to like it even less than I like the original or the remake. Um, yeah, okay. Um, but I was surprised at how much I did enjoy it. And it made me want to go back and rewatch the new one to see whether my thoughts on it would change and whether or not it would still, if it was that similar to it and why the remake was not as much of an impact left as much of an impact as the original did because i really enjoyed the original quite a bit very cool well you guys want to take a break and we'll come back and talk about the italian job 2003 sounds good to me all right let's uh take a little break let's it's for you josh Yes. How could you not love this? This is the self-preservation society. This is the self-preservation society. That's the only line in the whole song. No, see, there's some different. Oh, whatever. They're not even speaking English right there. All right, we'll be back in just a little bit. Yeah, I have a response to you dedicating that to me. You gotta pick up the Irishman to start with the clack, 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 clack. England, go on home, British soldiers, go on home. Have you got no fucking homes of your own? Well, folks, we'll be back in a little bit. Thanks. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. We are moving on to the second portion of the show, which is the Italian Job 2003. Yes, where we say some not entirely flattering stereotypes about Italians and then get mock outraged when someone does something against the Irish. Wait, no, we already did that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That was called called going to break. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Hey, Pat, you you ate your dinner, right? 
Has it been long enough yes. that you're having leftovers yet? No. Oh. By the, did you? What did you have for an appetizer? Chicken wings. Oh, the bone bone kind. Chicken, like, chicken, chicken parts. How about that? <laughs> ah, you're not gonna let me go. Anyway, let's nope. talk about the movie. <laughs> All right, the movie. It is the Italian Job, 2003. This is a here's the high, here's the uh, plot on this one. After being betrayed and left for dead in Italy, Charlie Croker and his team plan an elaborate gold heist against their former ally. This is directed by Gary Gray. F. I'm sorry, F. Gary Gray, uh, which other... That's not very nice. Such- <laughs> yeah, what did Gary Gray yeah, do to like, you? <laughs> I'm only doing it because that's what he told me to say. Hey, F. Murray um, Abraham. Uh, ah. So a law-abiding citizen, the negotiator, and Friday are all his, along with Kanan Lynch is announced, which I think... <gasps> it's a video game movie. Yeah, yeah the, Bruce Willis. Odd. I think. Yeah. The Rock? So anyway... And it, this new one is starring Mark Wahlberg. A lot more people you're going to know in this one. Mark Wahlberg, Charlize Theron, Donald Sutherland, Jason Statham, Seth Green, Most Deaf, and Edward Norton. Pretty big cast. So a little bit. Well, I think it, it, it's a decent cast on this one. And I think it, in, if we were alive and who we are now, you know, in 1969, we might have been more impressed with the Italian job from 1969's cast. If we were British, too. But yeah, every, I mean, every single one of those people has headlined their own movie. Every single one of them. Yeah, but you couldn't, I don't think, say that anybody in this film is this generation's Noel Coward or Michael Caine. Oh, not at all. Noel Coward's a different, uh, that's a totally different ballgame. Right, yeah. Not even the same yeah, yeah. ballgame. And Donald Sutherland, uh, theoretically or technically, is, I mean, he was a A-lister like yeah. Michael Caine in the 70s. He's iconic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. But, but he also Statham, was in the Norton. movie for about 15 minutes. I mean, everybody yeah. here, you're right. Everybody, I mean, Mostef has done leading co-star in movies. Well, and Seth kind of. Green. I mean, in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Oh, and Fifth Element. He still wasn't. Yeah. What? Mostef. Oh. Yeah, he was, he, yeah, but he wasn't Mostef. a lead. No, 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 no. no I would no. think more like a, 16 there, there was a movie where he played. A, uh, there was a movie where he played the scientist. That was a made-for-TV movie, though. But you know, See, I'm thinking 16 so. Blocks with Bruce Willis. That was a yeah, co-starring role. I mean, he was a lead character in that whole movie. Uh, but yeah, he wasn't a lead. Seth Green either. He's, I mean, he's been yeah. a co-star. All right. And Edward, so, Seth Green was was uh, has been a lead in um. What? Don't uh, say. What was, can't hardly wait because he wasn't a lead. No, 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 no. What was that movie uh, where he uh, played the spirit with a bottle stuck in his head? Idle Hands. He wasn't a lead <laughs> yeah. in that though. Eh, it was, he was a co-star, like you said. He was like the, the he was a co-star. Bottle stuck in his head. Anyway, yeah. let's move on. Okay, it's, it's <laughs> not a great movie. It's fun, but it's not great. So we'll give you some give you some uh, trivia on this one before we start into the thumb liking and not liking of it. Uh, first off, Ed Norton made it clear that his participation is a contractual obligation and not by choice. Oh, really? Yes, he signed three movie deal with Paramount, and he did Primal Fear, uh, his first movie, the breakout breakthrough movie, and he kept dismissing scripts for the other two until they coerced him into the accepting the role of the Italian job. So, uh, in interviews, Jason Statham said, and then in addition to the stunt driving courses that they all received, he got two days of driving tuition with Damon Hill, the British ex-world champion F1 driver. And uh, they all, however, said that Charlize Theron was the best driver among them, though. Nice. So, uh, the principal actors in the movie did most of the stunt driving themselves. While all the principals needed stunt driving lessons, most deaf needed a little bit more work because he didn't have a driving li- a drive li- drive driver's license when they started production. So, he has so. that in common with Michael Caine? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, the Metro Tunnel set. 
where they were racing through the uh, tunnels was so huge that it wouldn't fit in any soundstage in L.A. They built it in a hangar where the first space shuttle was assembled. That's awesome. And they used every single inch to do that scene. Oh, yeah, just a tip. <clears throat> now, here's here's one I do like. I mean, another one of the one of the cooler ones. James Bond screenwriters Neil Purvis and Robert Wade wrote the first draft of a screenplay and a fairly faithful translation of the original with a prologue set in World War II in which Charlie Croker's father tries and fails to recover the gold, tying the film in with the heist film Kelly's Heroes. Oh. And then a new story was commissioned from the writing team, uh, and they got this one then. So, but they also, but they do credit uh, Purvis and Wade as co-writers. So yeah. there's a little bit of trivia. Hmm. Stepping into it. So, did any of us see this for the first time? Nope. No, no the first time I saw it was the second time. So okay. I never saw it for a first time. What? <laughs> Yo, you stay here. And we'll go <laughs> over this, there. I saw this. I saw this a while ago, um, and I, this was the second time I've seen it. Okay. I think all I saw all of us in the theater. Yeah, I think so. I might I might have seen uh I might have seen this at the theater also. I kind of recall seeing it, but I do know I saw it before. Yeah, I know I Can, didn't see it in the theater. I saw it on cable. Yeah. Can I just point out I don't no. know, we'll get there eventually, but that this movie really was not in my mind so much a remake as it was a very, very loose translation where they took one aspect, more or less, from the original and everything else around it was different. A reimagining, if you will. No, not even so much that. I mean, yes, they had the Mini Coopers, and yes, they were stealing. There was gold involved, uh, and there was a traffic jam. But it was, it was not really. There was so much else going on, and so much, uh, so many other characters that were focused on that. That was really the rest of it was really lost, and it wasn't a comedy in any way. I mean, I didn't find it to be funny at all. I mean, the original was more kind of a like I said a comic caper. It wasn't like fall down funny, but it was. Yeah, I didn't find the first one funny at all. But it was more. It was there was it was lighter. I guess is what I should say. It was definitely lighter, yes, because nobody died in the Mm. first one. Well, exactly. Yeah, as far as we know. And I will admit that. Through the first time I saw this, I kept waiting to find out that Donald Sutherland's character really hadn't been dead the whole time, and was kind of surprised that they didn't go that route. Yeah, me too. I'm, oh, that, I'm glad they left him dead, not because I have anything against Donald Sutherland. It's made for a better story, I thought. Yeah. And, well, I have, a, I have a question right at the very beginning. Okay. They all should have been dead. That's not a question, no, that's a statement. No, okay. no he's Should right, they, though. They, he's right. No, I mean, for the amount of time that they spent underwater, and what I'm assuming was sub-zero temperatures because everything is covered in ice, and then they all get out of the water, and they're fine. feel sorry for him being dead for a little while, and then they get up and walk away. Right, yeah, no. Come on, we got to keep moving because otherwise you're going to freeze to the spot. But they all should have been dead in that water, and they all should have been dead after they got out of the water. Okay, you could probably make a case for certainly Charlie having uh, some sort of protection against the elements, considering he was scuba diving as part of his role in the case. Mm -hmm. And you could go one step further to say that every one of them should have had something as part of the backup plan in case something goes wrong and they get dumped out of the boat, because the entire caper was water-based. And it's not like they changed out of their heist clothes. Yeah, it would have been nice if they maybe they had done filmed like a like a one minute section of them crawling out of the on the bank onto the and, and like peeling their clothes off and all of them having wetsuits underneath or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, that's foreshadowing. 
Yeah, I, I I do like the fact. First off, Jason straight up rewriting awesome this. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know what I mean. Uh, let's start from the very beginning. The it- initial Italian job with them blowing up the floor. Awesome. That was yeah, completely awesome. Yes. Uh, and from the second I saw Steve, I knew he was going to turn on him. Even in the first time I saw it, you the second you meet that guy, I think it's a mustache. Yeah, it's got to be the pervy porn '80s mustache. Yeah, because the second you see him. In the thing about the first time you saw the movie, the second you see that guy, you're like, yeah, that's him. And the fact that it's <laughs> Ed Norton. And it's Ed Norton, oh, yeah. Wait. Spoilers. Well, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure when that mustache went from being like cool, suave guy to pervert slash villain, probably sometime in the 90s. I don't know. I don't know either. Probably once Bruno Kirby came on the scene. Oh. <laughs> Oh, Pat, hey, leave him what? out of this. I love Bruno Kirby. Leave porno, porno, Bruno, <laughs> porno Bruno Kirby. <laughs> porno Nobody's going to watch that just porno. automatically your mind says it. <laughs> He's got a porno Bruno Kirby. <laughs> City dickers. Um, anyway, you were saying mustache, Ooh. evil, Ed Norton. Yeah, no, I was just speculating because yeah. in the 80s, there wasn't that negative connotation. with Somebody the clipping their toenails or something? Did anybody no, else no. hear that sound? Dessert clippings. Uh, <laughs> I'm hearing like this this snapping sound, like somebody's like cl- clipping their nails. I don't. I don't hear anything. And how did they leave the whole Mister? Uh... <laughs> I have I have a very meticulous gay ghost that lives in my bedroom. Now <laughs> 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 uh, I forgot his name, Mister. <laughs> Doctor No Nos. <laughs> no Nos hasn't showed up yet. Um, Mister Bridger. There was no Mister Bridger. Right? Uh, was there? No, there was there no, 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 like, master. I thought, or, um, yeah, there wasn't yeah, a master. Well, Mr. Financier Financier would be the but the thing is, Mr. Bridger really wasn't a master planner of it all. He sort of financed it. Right, yeah. Right. So I guess Mr. Bridger in this one would be the tattooed Simone dude. Yeah, but he wasn't bankrolling the operation. No, he was just a fixer. He just, yeah, and he had a minor part. Mr. Bridger was a main character. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think that at one point. I was like, who's paying for all this? Because like, I think it was when, when uh, Wahlberg just peeled off like $300 bills and threw them on the table. And then they go and they go to their hideaway and they got all this equipment. I'm like, who's paying for all of this? Exactly. Because yeah. they didn't get any of their gold. <laughs> no, but they've been professional thieves probably in the years intervening and have probably pulled other jobs. Yeah, That's, that was kind of what I thought. I was, I was like, they must have just dipped into their own pockets because this is all about revenge and getting their money back and everything. So either that, kind of, or they just, just right in my head. Either that, or they just hit up Charlize Theron. She's like, Stella, you got a real job. Right. <laughs> Time to hit Get tap your 401k. <laughs> so, in my opinion, I think the plot was better in this one. There was better motivation. Yes. Because there was a re- there was a revenge for the death in the in this one versus the well, he tried to do it and didn't do it, but someone's got to do it, so you might as well. Yeah. Think from the first one, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I, I, yeah. I think both the plots needed some work. Honestly, <clears throat> this one just came up to me as a early 2000s, late 90s throwaway plot. But that's just me. I've seen a lot of movies, so I'm a little jaded. And the the sheer massive talent, I expected a little more, honestly. But I still enjoyed it. I think the, the Mini Cooper was more fun uh, in the chase scene in the original. And this one was a little bit more like actiony. For lack of a better word. Oh, yeah. The, the, the acting definitely took a backseat to the action in this movie. Yeah, they definitely... it. Well, I mean, this one, the cars were more prevalent in it. And even in the first one, the Italian job, the whole thing was to make cause this big 
tie-up. I mean, there really wasn't that much in the driving. In this one, we got them training. We got them oh, from the very learning how to season. drive. Oh, yeah, but from the this, very this beginning. Was, this was almost a commercial for Mini Cooper when it came out. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. The cross-promotion was big with this one. They were they were trying to sell the hell out of Mini Coopers through this Yeah. Movie. I can't remember seeing too many modern Mini Coopers in the U.S. before this movie came out. And right. since, they've been kind of everywhere. Right. Speaking of David Lynch and Twin Peaks. What? They, they should have a Mini Cooper in there. Mini, Mini Cooper. Because no, yeah. this really was yeah. the, the, the relaunch of the Mini Cooper as a as a like a, a standard brand, kind of like when VW Bugs got rebranded, you know. So when this now, movie was released, was right was right right about the time when they released the Mini Coopers again. I I've already stated I think that I'm a fan of the original ending of the original film, but I did like the one thing I I did like about this was the and I don't know if we want to give anything away or not, but the slight twist on the end when um you realize what's going to happen to Norton's character. Mm-hmm. That that part yeah. I enjoyed. That was very satisfying to me. It was a good, yeah. satisfying way to end that character. Where it was his own uh, self-interest that pretty much tied him up and his own lack of imagination that uh, caused his own downfall, pretty much. He was hoisted on his own petard. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ooh. Wow. Look at you all fancy words. You need to eat an uh, appetizer pizza every show. <laughs> I've been motivated <laughs> by the power of the pizza. And your chicken tenders. <clears throat> what I do think hey, is cool about this one. chicken wings, Joel. Get, just get over it. <laughs> um, the fact that they let Steve know that they were alive. Once I think that was a cool twist in the movie. Yeah. At the whole scene in the restaurant. Because it's like, all right, we just laid our hand on the table. And, you know, how how is this going to end up now? Because you have, I mean, Steve, while he was a schmuck, he was no slouch when it came to planning heists you know he was a criminal just like the rest of them so you had this kind of like challenge between the group you know between um uh, what was marky mark's character's name that's uh, charlie that's charlie yeah charlie yeah yeah charlie yeah. and uh charlie and steve trying charlie. to figure out who's gonna out outwit one another so well i think part of that is because they know that if they don't step in at that moment uh, the plan is screwed. Stella's been made, and if they don't tip their hand at that point, she's in big trouble. Oh yeah, it was totally to get her out of the situation after she said her father's uh, quote. But you just gotta, the, um, you got I, I would when they started all <clears throat> popping up around the restaurant. I'm like, I'm sitting there going, were they really just planning on sitting all around this restaurant throughout the whole date, listening to everything just in case you know, all four of them? Like, what if what if he gets up to go to the restroom and just spots one of them? <laughs> Well, I mean, here's the thing, though. This is a guy who just, I mean, they, who killed their best friend. I mean, Charlie Croker is essentially his substitute father. Oh, I mean, I so don't you are having gonna... somebody there. I'm just, it was just funny that all four of them are all, they just all come out of the woodwork like, oh, yes, we're all here. It was just funny. To... Yeah, it was kind of, because when most deaf showed up, too, that was kind of screwy, <laughs> yeah. too. <laughs> like, what are you going to stop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Better not be on your left side. <laughs> So. Well, and at that point, I guess the real answer is because it makes a less interesting movie, but they've tipped their hands. They've got him in a restaurant. I mean, they could always just, like, take him out back, shoot him in the head, or beat him to death, and then figure out how to get the gold later. Exactly. That's not the way they were, though. Yeah. They weren't, they weren't the kind of criminal that was out to hurt anybody. I mean, they were out to do the job and get away scot-free, but, I mean, the without injuring other people or taking lives. So. That's true. There's a big point made of how they took all this money without uh, ever pulling a gun. Exactly. 
But what and, they what they well, what they could have done was they could have just had the the um, Russian guy, the Ukrainian guys, say, "Hey, this is the guy that killed your guy. This is where he lives. Go get him." Once they go in there and kill him, they just walk in behind them and just go to the safe and open it up and take the money. Wouldn't have even had to give the Ukrainians a cut. Yeah, yeah. but it, yeah. it wouldn't but have been. They actually satisfying. do make. Well, they do make a mention in there also that what they can't compete because they they're not gunners. Sure, that's why you have somebody else that. do their, do that dirty work. Yeah, and they have the the battle between I the mini and the helicopter. Calling. I missed my calling. I should be a mastermind criminal. Well, I gotta go, guys. I got I got plans to make. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I I also like the uh, inflation between the Italian jobs, where the first one it's gold worth four million, and the second one it's thirty four million. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I like how they. Did anybody oh, notice? Oh, oh, good. Go ahead. When they're looking in to fig, try and figure out uh, Edward Norton's weak spot, and they're like, "Oh, he watches television, and he's watching the Italian Job on his big TV." Uh, no, well, he no, wasn't. I didn't. I didn't catch that. He wasn't watching the Italian Job. He was watching the Italian Job. No, he was watching the Alfie. The Italian Job. Alfie. Alfie, another Michael Caine movie. Yes. Let me have my day in the sun. No. Which they remade later with Jude Law. I yes, think, which I think is he was another. Blame it on Rio. <laughs> <laughs> he was watching The Dark Knight, which wasn't made yet, <clears throat> which was really weird. It's, that's another movie we have to watch. Alfie and the remake. Oh, and The Dark oh. Knight. Yeah, those <laughs> I go good say together. Batman yeah. and the Alfie Dark Knight. and The Dark Knight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so Elf. it's gonna. We're gonna get to it eventually. But w- how do you feel about the ending on this one? Much more concise. I mean, you, you, I mean, like what Pat said earlier was in a heist movie, you want to know they got away. Sure. I would say that it was satisfying, much more satisfying, but as a result, much more forgettable. Yep. Yeah. I, I felt yeah, it. It was good. <clears throat> no, I was going to say it's, but it was, like you said, more, more satisfying, but less forgettable because you, you know, you have the, the cliffhanger ending on the first one, but I still default to what Pat said in this one. You want to know. They got away. You want to know they got caught. You don't want to have that. A heist movie is you want to see somebody screw the system and get away with a shitload of money. Right. And when you have that in the ending where it's kind of yes and no, it doesn't, I don't think it really holds well, it's, for the rest of the movie. It is kind of an anticlimax where mm-hmm. you, you don't, you have, you're like, are they going to get away? Are they going to get away? Oh, they got away. Wait a minute. They didn't. What's going to happen? Roll credits. And see, and I don't like yeah. that because somebody else is getting the payoff. Then, like you know, I, I in 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 the theory, you know, in 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 the the film world, wherever this is happening, you know, we don't get to see what actually happens. You know, in in this fictional world, someone else comes along and busts him, whatever, blah blah blah. But we don't get to see that. Something happens, obviously. Right. You know, and you know, I mean, I just I just think it's like you're giving up on your own story at that point. It's like you've told all this other stuff, and then you're just like, uh, pff, screw you, make up your own ending. Sometimes it works. I don't think it works for heist movies. That's just my opinion. I I don't know. I thought the 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 remake suffered from again from that kind of typical ending where I just I felt like it was just kind of capped on. Like they're like, yeah, throw together some of the stuff we've done in other movies that worked, and uh, there you go. The end of the story. Yeah. Roll the credits, and everybody gets paid and goes home, and we make a million bucks, and DVD sales will skyrocket, and end of story. I I prefer the fact that there was something because it is. It's like Josh said. I very much agree with what he said. It it was. After I watched it, I never needed to see it again. Whereas the original, I would watch again. I'm just the opposite, actually. On, on, on everything, really, on this. Because I didn't like the first one. I liked the second one. I would watch the second one again. I don't think I'm going to ever watch the first one again. 
And it's interesting that you say that because I actually don't think I necessarily prefer the first one. I prefer the ending of the first one, and I think that it's probably more interesting long-term. I don't think in 40 years people are going to be talking about the ending of the remake. Where obviously <laughs> people are still talking about the ending of the original. Right. Um, but I think overall I found the remake more entertaining. I like the fact that there wasn't this cast of characters who were largely interchangeable. Um, the side characters from the Ukrainians uh, to the uh, gigantic, what was this, Skinny Skinny Pete? Yeah, Skinny Pete, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, every one of the characters was more interesting. They weren't particularly deep, but they weren't the, like... Shoot, they had, they had more depth than most of the characters in the heist in the first movie. Right. I mean, yeah. th- those three brothers, what, what, what was their characteristic? Uh, they're all Irish. Okay, done. <laughs> that's that's all you needed in 69. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, they're Irish. They're Irish. That says everything we need to know about them. Moving on. <laughs> the Irish is all you need in 69. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, yeah buddy. Wow. All right. Oh, I got my tagline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, what, what you're saying about building up on the background of all these people, I, I agree with you. It's in the 69 one, it's like, hey, there's that guy. He's gay. That guy, he's Irish. There's his brothers. There's that guy. He's blonde. We're going to call him blonde. That guy, he's a big <laughs> pink the- Indian. No way. He's a loser. <laughs> well, you're wrong. <laughs> so, but I mean, in every single one of the characters in this, even going down to Jason Statham, they they explain, they give even a little bit of background on every single one of them. So you actually are. Are you saying you're invested more in, in them more? Yeah. Because of that minimal background? Better than, better than I mean, nothing at all. You know, yeah, there are red I mean, shirts. A little, a, fi- a yeah, five exactly. second exposition on someone is better than no exposition at all. Yeah, the little bit that they gave on Statham being why he's called Handsome Rob gave you know just gives an explanation to that this guy gives you know fuck all to the world. You know he's going to do this chase in L.A. at thirty miles an hour just so he can get the record for the longest police chase ever done. You know, just because. And you get, I mean, it's not a lot to go on, but it get, does give you a little bit of motivation behind them. Yeah. I mean, I mean, think about it, in the first one where the, they're all in the back of the truck and the Irish guy's like, what about my asthma? <laughs> yeah. What the hell? Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, you have asthma? <laughs> what, what about your asthma? Why didn't you bring this up, you know, two days ago? If it's Why so... is this the only thing I know about you? <laughs> <laughs> You're the Irish guy with asthma. <laughs> you know, and then the whole thing with Seth Green, which... I think they tried to make the computer guy a little pervy like they did in the first one because Seth Green's always, you know, he, when they're in the car and he's he's making crack comments and Statham's like, now I know why you don't have a girlfriend and all he wants to do is make a stereo that'll blow women's clothes off, which never really got a lot of closure on whether or not that worked. But um, they're even a, out is, is yeah. the main problem with that. But anyway, <laughs> it'll leave your clothes on. But you did get enough on everybody just to give a little bit more damn about him than you did in the uh, in the first one. The first yep. one was about Charlie Croker and Mr. Bridger. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's you still but you have to have a supporting cast in a heist movie. A heist is not a heist with one person. And I love those characters in the original. But let's be honest. How much depth was there? I mean, yeah, I had Charlie Croker. He's charismatic. He likes having sex with uh, more than a half dozen wism- women at once. And he what likes else? fine clothes. Yeah. We don't yeah. know a whole lot else about him. And apparently he lives in a junk store. 
Yeah. That whole fight with the teddy bear, he, that was another weird yeah. one. He's a charismatic playboy who just got out of prison. That's pretty much all you know about him. Yeah, and it's yeah. not that the, ori- the characters in the remake are these incredibly depth, drama, compelling, cinematic paragons of whatever, but they're, they're at least as developed as the best characters in the original. Yes. Mm-hmm. Joel? I, I've said everything I'm going to say, I think, for now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I was sad when the little when the when the pawn shop guy got shot. He was a good actor. I liked too. Him. He did a very good job with that role. Yeah, he was, and and he was his character was kind of fun too. I was just like, you're kind of fun, Steve. <laughs> you shithead. Oh, Steve was just not a nice guy. He just, I mean, aside from the fact he was a murderer, he was just a prick. I mean, like even the way he talked to his security guard, you know, I mean, he just he just a, you're just a jackass. You know, there's no reason to be yeah. that mean to everybody. Yeah, agree. I mean, I can be an asshole a lot, and I'm still not that mean to people on a regular basis. You know what I did like is in the when um, Charlie uh, talking to him later on, he's like, "You have no imagination. You didn't even think of what to buy. You just bought everything that everybody else said." Yeah, you know? yeah, that was so funny. In the first, what are you gonna do with it? I don't know. All those things sound good. I'll do those. <laughs> Yeah, oh, and then and then when um when Most Def and uh, Statham are sitting out in the car and they see the house, yeah. Most Def is like, "I'm gonna blow this shit up right now." Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I liked I liked both of them. But again, it's you know again years from now we're gonna look at this and it's gonna be just as dated as the '69 one was. I suppose that's true because you go 40 years in the future and people are going to be like Napster. What the fuck is a Napster? Yeah, some people yeah. already are. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. I was actually thinking that at one point. I'm like, man, this, that that's kind of dated already. <laughs> right. Yeah. Can I have another character and call him MySpace? <laughs> <laughs> Dude. I, can't, I can't wait for the next movie where a guy's nicknamed Bitcoin. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. And hashtag. Bitcoin, hashtag, hashtag, hashtag get over here. Hashtag, hashtag. <laughs> That's just redundant, redundant. So, so what do you think about the chase scene in this one, the very end? Like we said earlier, it was more actiony, less, less fun, but it was still enjoyable. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. But. What do you mean it was still fun? Yeah, right, but it wasn't, wasn't like episode of Benny Hill fun, where you're right. driving up on top of the roof of a large building and then driving around in circles until the <clears> cop <throat> like follows you up there and then leaving him there. Yeah. What the hell yeah. was that about? Why did they drive up on top of that building? I, I you know why? You okay, you up? know why they drove up there? Because Fiat let them use it. That's the test track on top of the Fiat factory. So it was basically so they Fiat, just did it just because. Yeah, they're like, hey, we got a racetrack on the roof of a building. Well, there's no way we can let that go to waste. Yeah, right. you know, <laughs> that's a logical place for us to take this heist movie. <laughs> Yeah, because obviously we're trying to avoid the traffic. We're gonna go on a route. We're gonna take it to that, new that, heist. Go to the big O. <laughs> Let's see how uh, fast we can get away on this loop. It's a pretty you know, loop. Okay, <laughs> you don't. You want to know what's gonna date this movie the most? The fact that the side of that truck said Pepsi Blue. Oh wow! <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> I did. Yeah, when when uh, wrench or whatever the mechanic's name was right. when he was setting that up. That's that side of the truck out in front of uh, the Chinese theater. <laughs> I even said it out loud as soon as I'm watching I'm like Pepsi Blue. Sorry. That's a marketing opportunity they missed. Yep. I mean I gotta admit though, when 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 they blew the street and the and the truck fell I was like, Okay, that's pretty cool. But then when the metal plate fell and covered up the hole, I was like, Okay, that's just genius. Yeah. I mean that that is that really is. And and then how the uh, wrench just walked away. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
you know, and it's and it's the again. The, I think Wrench probably the least, or no, the um, skinny, skinny. What's his name? Skinny Pete. Skinny Pete, which was a I thought was a damn funny scene. Yeah, <laughs> when most deaf can't stop. Don't stare at what? <laughs> he does what? I, I'm cool. I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, that was that was all right. That was a big ass so, dude too. Yeah, that was a big big dude. I wonder if he's been in anything. Yeah, he was in the Italian job. weren't you paying attention? Shut up. Blue dog. Oh, yeah. And the fact that Weight Watchers, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and that actually was uh, Sean Fanning in the uh, in that little flashback where he was sleeping. What? Oh, it, no, the, the guy yeah. who uh, started Napster. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured that. Yeah, he was playing yeah, himself. That was actually it's kind of cool to know that yeah. it is. I, I mean, I, I was wondering if it was. I was like, well, what else is that guy doing? Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, but at that point, it's like, oh, well, you know, there you go. I really now like we... Charlize Theron. Just, like, she's not only a very attractive actress, but she's actually got some acting chops. Like, if you've seen Monster, she's great. I don't think that means what you think it means. <laughs> I've seen Monster. Shut your I'm mouth. very much a fan of, of her I'm as well. I'm a fan of Charlize Theron, Tasso. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing her in A Million Ways to Die in the West this year. That looks really good. I just saw the poster for that. Have you have any of you guys watched Arrested Development? No. Yeah. Yes, because she has a great role in that in that series in the in the second season. I didn't get uh, deep enough into the second season to oh. encounter her character. I'm gonna have to fix that. She <clears throat> plays a character from Wee Britain, and it's just really really funny. I won't I won't tell you any more than that. You need to watch it for yourself. Okay, I looked up the uh, Skinny Pete just to see if he's done anything else. Yoga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, nothing else. <laughs> Gotti, his real name is G A W T T I, aka King Folsom, is a member of the Booyah tribe, a crew of five brothers and a cousin, former gangsters turned rappers and musicians. Hmm. Yeah. And there you have it. There you go. So and what you know what? Honestly, thoughts. Oh wait, do we get that part? I yet? think he should have stuck with his given name because he was born Vincent Rook Devereaux. And now you know the rest of the story. Yeah, I just don't think that typically if you're one of the Bloods, Vincent is a name you stick with. Now, he could have gone by Rook. Rook would have been good. Or Vinny. By Rook or by Crook. Of course, his name was King Folsom, so I guess he upgraded from Rook to King. Uh, Hey. Hey, he castled himself. Yes. Uh, Are you going to stop him? No. <laughs> All right, thumbs up, thumbs down across the board. First, first Italian job. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs down. Pat, Josh. Thumbs up. Joel. Thumbs way up. Me. Thumbs up. And Patrick hates it. You're all wrong. What about the new one? Thumbs up. Thumbs up. For me, thumbs up on both. Yeah. Joel. I'm gonna give it a thumb sideways, leaning towards down a little bit. <laughs> you fucking waffle. <laughs> I'm sorry. I there were make a decision, man. There were little bright spots that were okay, but well, overall, if he's, le- if he's leaning towards down, that that. But overall, round, I round was up and not down, impressed. Remember, so he's, he's a thumbs down. I would never need to see it again. Again. He's a thumbs down. All right. So, thumbs down. Well, there you go. How about you, Mike? I'm thumbs up on it. I enjoy a good, goofy, you know, something I really don't have to think too much about. This has fit the bill. It's not going to take a place on my bookshelf with all the other DVDs. You know, I'm not putting it up next to Blade Runner. <laughs> but uh, well, it definitely, my you know, father already owned it, so <laughs> I own yeah. it now. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's, it definitely doesn't compete to anything like Heat. Or, you know, any of those. Nothing. Sure. No, it's and it's definitely not even the best heist movie that Edward Norton's been in. No. Or Charlize Theron, for that matter. Sure. So. Seeing as she was in... Oh, never mind. I was going to say she was in Heat, but then it just dawned on me that it was Ashley Judd. Never mind. Yeah, very not the same. I know. I corrected so myself. 
There you go. I'm trying to... Th- All right, so what... What? No, I was trying to think if she had been in another heist movie. Yeah, I don't know. Now, now that I realize that wasn't her in a heat, I may have been incorrect at that. She was in Prometheus, not a heist movie. That, no, that is definitely not a heist movie. I she mean, was in Hancock. She did steal things in Monster, so I guess... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was in Astro Boy. Not a heist movie. Also, not... Yeah, and neither was Devil's Advocate. She was in The Curse or, or of the Giant Scorpions. That was heist. kind of a heist movie. Oh, uh, Reindeer Games. There you go. Okay, yeah, she was in a heist movie. Oh, All right. oh but which was the but better I don't know one? The, yeah, I don't oh, know. Yeah. I would say that the Italian huh? job was better than Reindeer Games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Reindeer Games has the um, Ben Affleck. And I'm sorry, Ben Affleck, the badness outweighs the Gary Sinise. you got to see Argo. On. See Argo in that one. Yeah, game. I was going to say. And, like, and uh, Good Will Awesome in Argo, and yeah. I actually really like the uh, film. Oh, what the <clears throat> hell is the name of the one where he's uh, can see the future? Oh, um, oh God, what Paycheck. Is- yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, John Woo. Yeah. Yeah, I actually liked Paycheck John, quite a bit. The, the town was good, too. And Aaron Yeah, Deckard. John Woo and that's a Philip K. Dick uh, story. I've heard uh, the town is very good, actually. Yeah. I've heard good things about that. Yeah. Well, that's he directed. I'll, okay, let's And Gone Baby way. Gone. Great director. Uh, ben, ben, year 2000 Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Because he's definitely gotten, he's he has gotten better. He has. And he better fucking redeem himself as Batman. <laughs> It's basic, basically, it was like like the years just before and just after, and also during, of course, the JLo years. That's sure. the poison. That's the Ben Affleck poison years. You want to avoid those, like the plague. Armageddon? That's fun. Fucking Phantoms was the bomb. <laughs> and if he, if uh, they remade Jaws, he'd play the shark. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what? That's what Kevin Smith used to say. That's awesome. All right. So next week, what are we doing, guys? We'll Sunday Monday. Fucking forgot. (laughs) (laughs) I know Pat doesn't know. He should have turned to one of us in particular. Oh, okay. Patrick, what are we doing next week? When I finally when it dawned on me, I said, "Oh, comics! That's minute! Yay! A short not dead." Well, not doing not not just comics in general. We're doing Sunday Sunday comics. Sunday Funday. Yes. Sunday Funday versus the web comics and comics of today. Yes. Yes. We will be seeing you in the funny pages. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's going to be an all Beetle Bailey episode. <laughs> yes. It's going to be nothing but Ziggy. Merry oh, Worth. Christ. Family circus. <laughs> Please don't lean on the glass. Uh, Jeffy. Jeffy. <laughs> all be, be comics we will not be discussing in case you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> They'll come up. Please, please tune in because we won't be talking about uh, Gasoline Alley. <laughs> Funky Winker Bean. <laughs> the Wizard of Id. That, that funky winker bean, that is like the greatest discrepancy between funniness of title and funniness of actual comic. No kidding. That is the, like, a newspaper comic to slit your wrists to. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I would rather eat a funky winker bean than feed funky winker bean. <laughs> oh, no. Funky winker bean. Who's got cancer now? <laughs> <laughs> That's so hysterical. Uh, All right. I, well, I can't Sunday wait to morning. read this seven-week struggle with leukemia. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, wait. if you want to hear about us talking more about comics or heist movies or weird stuff, you can always find our new episodes on TalkShoe, Stitcher, iTunes, and Blueberry. Yes, and uh, if you want to get in contact with us, if you have an idea for a show or just want to yell at us or say something good and just call us adequate. Uh, you can get us at 40go14 at gmail.com, which is also a place where you can find our webcast. It's at uh, 40go14.com. 
We're on Facebook. Look up 40 Going On 14, and you're, you'll see our stuff there. And you can give us a phone call at 708-NOW-RAP, which is 708-669-9727. You can also use uh, all of those channels to ask me out on a date. I'm going to start using this as a personal site, too, just FYI. Okay. <laughs> all comers welcome. Sure. Exactly. I'll, I'll date anything. Any press is good press. <laughs> I'll fuck anything that moves. <laughs> All right. Well, you. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So good. We'll see you next week. I'm Mike saying goodbye. I'm Pat. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. Good night, folks. It's a self-preservation. There's some good lyrics, man. That's, I think, what they're saying. It's like Sounds banana like it. splits. <laughs> <laughs> like the Irish banana splits. That's what it sounds like. It'd be a banana splits on it. <laughs> you know what an Irish seven-course meal is? What? A six-pack of Guinness and a potato.